Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we're speaking with Tracy Hotchner. Tracy is a nationally acclaimed pet wellness advocate who wrote the Dog Bible, Everything Your Dog Wants You to Know, and the Cat Bible, Everything Your Cat Expects You to Know. She's recognized as the premier voice for pets and their people on Pet Talk Radio. She continues to produce and host her own Gracie Award-winning NPR show, Dog Talk, and Kitties Too, from the Peconic Public Broadcasting in the Hamptons after 10 consecutive years and over 500 shows. She produced and hosted her own live call-in show, Cat Chat, on the Martha Stewart channel of Sirius XM for over seven years until the channel was canceled. Tracy created her own Radio Pet Lady Network, where she produces and co-hosts Cat Chat on the Radio Pet Lady Network, her own pet talk podcast network with 10 delightfully informative radio programs co-hosted by Tracy with top veterinarians and other pet experts. The shows are accessible from any computer or mobile device, can be heard on iTunes and Stitcher, or can be downloaded from each show's podcast library. Tracy, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Poor Stacy, what a mouthful. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Tracy, what a bore, right? No, it's not really boring. It's not boring. I love the fact that we're both in Vermont where there's no stray cat population problem. I mean, how ironic is that? These two people devoted to the wellness of community cats. It's so funny. Uh, years ago, not even that many years ago, I had a friend whose dogs had passed away. She had several cats living in her house as well. And the local Berkshire Humane Society, which you know about, it was in your backyard pretty much, didn't really have any dogs that made any sense for her lifestyle, which was she had a little sheep ranch. So I called up Southampton Shelter out in the outskirts of the Hamptons, which was the official shelter of Dog Talk and Kitties too, for a while. And they said, oh, we've got this wonderful dog. It happens to have come from northern Vermont, Chittenden County, from the rescue there because we traded them 20 cats for one dog. Can you imagine? There were no cats for adoption in that part of Vermont. So the overflow of cats in most shelters everywhere, they sent them 20 kitty cats here. And they got back this very bizarre black dog that my friend adores that had been in a hoarding situation and had no manners and my friend didn't care. So it's very funny to live in a sort of cat-free, certainly cat-problem-free state. Have you found that to be true? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, New England in general really has quite a bit of success with regards to handling community cats. We've been very aggressive with spay neuter all across New England. So Massachusetts there is a lot of cat transport happening up into the New England states. And so it is, it's very interesting. And I've learned so much over this last year of starting this podcast by interviewing others from all around the country and just understanding there's so many other places that it's just not the same. And sad. Litters and litters and litters of little kittens have to be put to sleep. There's no place for them, no one to bottle feed them, no one to adopt them. And here we are trying to resource the cats. You must have found that when you were down at your feline shelter, were you at all in an urban area? That seems to be where it happens, right? Well, we were north of Boston. The Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society was north of Boston, but still is very suburban, urban. 
And we did a lot of rescues from the Boston area. We would even drive to Springfield to go get 40 kittens at any given time to put them into our foster care network. Because by the late 90s, our area, we worked on a target area model. So our area really was short on kittens. So we would go to other parts of Massachusetts to bring kittens in. Very fortunately now, we're going to other parts of the country to bring kittens into the state because Springfield has had very aggressive spay-neuter programs. Lowell, Massachusetts was another area where we would source kittens in Boston. And yes, there are still some pockets of areas. I'm working with a group in Chelsea, Massachusetts right now because there is quite a large amount of free-roaming cats in the Chelsea area, but we're working to get that taken care of. So there's pockets But in general, from a large scale, the number of intakes into MSPCA, it's down by two-thirds. They're adopting out feline leukemia-positive cats. They're doing six-month rabies quarantine. FIV cats are really a non-issue for the MSPCA and, and the Dakin Humane Society. These large facilities that we used to shy away from because we knew they had population issues, now they are putting chickens in their cat community rooms at the MSPCA Methuen because they have more farm animals and they don't need the space for the cats. Wow, that is huge success. Isn't it interesting? We've had this issue of the Northeast not having enough puppies for adoption and having them transported up in in litterfuls from the South, Georgia, South Carolina, various states. And now we're going to be doing the same thing with kittens. Well, it is a great solution to the problem because each one who comes up, he's going to be a one-off cat. He's not going to be making a dozen cats every six weeks, right? Right. Another program that the Community Cats podcast offers is a community cat grant program where we work with organizations that are trying to establish trap new to return programs. And we help mentor them on doing fundraising programs to raise money specifically to start spay-neuter programs in their communities because the transport is very helpful, but it's a very reactive problem you still need to get your spay neuter going in your community. And so we have a foundation that will match up to $1,000 of fundraising money that the organization raises doing a brand new fundraiser, something they've never tried before. Many of these smaller groups, they don't even know really how to have a fundraising program or how to even ask. We've had groups that have never asked their board members for donations And I think you and I both aren't shy people. I think we would think that that would be an obvious thing to do. But board members don't know that they're asked to financially support an organization. So we've had groups start donation can programs, a group do online fundraisers or certain kinds of yard sales things that they just have never tried before or have never prioritized. Sometimes fundraising gets to the bottom of the list. I used to tell people for every trapper I had, I needed four people doing the fundraising for them. Is that right? Really? <laughs> that was my ratio. Come on, not really. You mean trap like someone you had to pay or a volunteer trapper? No, a volunteer trapper because I, in the early days, we had a lot of volunteer trappers who would trap between 200 and 400 cats a year. Think about all the spay and neuter costs, even if you're doing it in a low-cost clinic environment. Everyone you trap, you have to then deal with its medical problems and spay and neuter. Right, and then you put them back out. They're not getting an adoption fee or anything like that. So you need to really... source the funding of those cats via donations. Tracy, you are just the outreach queen. Tell me, what's it like being on the radio and also now your experiences being on podcasts? 
Well, or my experience with this dog film festival, because, you know, I've been this invisible voice, right? There I am. I'm writing a book. I'm invisible in every which way. Then I have live radio. Then I have podcasts. And I have emails with people. And I even, in well, when I had live radio, people called in all the time. It was great. You felt really connected to the people who cared and were listening. But then when you physically go out into communities with the Dog Film Festival and soon with the Cat Film Festival, it's really heartening to find out how far people will go to feed their own desire to show their passion for being pet owners or just being exposed to more and interesting ideas about, in the case of the Dog Film Festival, dogs. But I'm sure it's going to be the same thing in the case of the Cat Film Festival, which has just got on its little wobbly kitten legs and is just peeping its eyes open and looking out at the world. This movie, Kedi, K-E-D-I, about these Turkish street dogs, which is right up the alley of community cats, has been so successful in art houses, art film houses, much to, I would think, everyone's surprise. Really? People are going to leave their house and pay a babysitter or a dog sitter or make sure the cats are in before they go out to a theater and pay for the ticket and buy some popcorn. And they're doing it all across the country to look at a documentary about a bunch of cats in Istanbul and how they interact with the people in the city. That's pretty interesting sea change. We wouldn't have seen that probably 10 years ago. It's interesting how the fascination with cats by those who already love them and have them involved in their lives or just other people who think they are mysterious, magical, gorgeous creatures, that's really evolved. I don't know if the Cat Video Festival at the Walker Art Center first held, it must be four or five years ago now, if that was the first time that cat lovers could kind of come out and be together and paint their faces like cats and not even care if someone thought they were foolish. Just say, we love cats. But I think to your point about, well, what do you do with that passion? How do you put that to some other use other than personal pleasure is very much at the heart of it. Because my film festivals have a philanthropic mission, which is to involve a local rescue in each city where it goes and have them have a portion of the proceeds and be there at the theater with their donation jar or their raffle tickets or their materials. That's one way to say, oh, you love cats or dogs so much. Well, what would you like to do for all the ones that you don't personally have in your life? And I think that community-owned cats and TNR, I'm hoping to make it a very big recipient of the Cat Film Festival. The idea that, oh, you could go do something you love around cats and it could benefit somebody else who's doing something really good for cats. I think that's the thing that's really interesting when you're out amongst real live people is that they just have their heart on their sleeve where cats and dogs are concerned. They're kind of almost vibrating with excitement and enthusiasm over, oh my God, a dog film festival, a cat film festival, we all get to do this together. I'm sure that when you were running your feline rescue, all of your volunteers and fosters and kitten raisers, they must have had that feeling of being part of a community. And I think that that's very important to the welfare of animals is that people feel that they're coming together, the humans are, on behalf of animals. I think it's a very rewarding experience for the humans. Oh, definitely. We definitely created a sense of family And bringing all of these folks together at these film festivals is a great way to get them together in a space to enjoy themselves, to have a good time, and also help the cause that everyone cares about. 
If you like the Community Cats podcast and would like to help promote Community Cats in your state, then we need you. We're looking for a couple of people from each state to be Community Cats ambassadors. What do you get by being an ambassador? You'll be mailed a promo kit of items to use to help promote the show at any event that you attend in your state. If you don't attend many events, hey, that's okay too. Do you have a network of people that love community cats? You can help with email and groups in your state to let them know about the CCP and offer them the benefit of community cat swag. The more we can spread the word about the show, the more we can do to help cats across the country. Please email Stacy, S-T-A-C-Y, at communitycatspodcast.com if you'd like to represent your state. Thank you. Does your organization not have a clear vision of what its goals and objectives are? Does it seem like everyone on your board has a different idea of what you should be doing and how to do it? Well, I can help you with a visioning workshop. I offer affordable, quick and painless strategic planning services for a small organization. I can even offer my services virtually. Are you interested? Just reach out to me at Stacy S-T-A-C-Y, at communitycatspodcast.com. With your Cat Film Festival, that's going all around the country. Is that your dream? What's your vision for that? It's really going to be, as cats often are in society, not exactly the redheaded stepchild of the Dog Film Festival. But so many people wrote to me and said, yeah, okay, Dog Film Festival, but how about a Cat Film Festival? And I thought, well, sure. I mean, absolutely, except for where am I going to find films about cats? How many people have made a film, a short film, a documentary, a narrative film with a story or animation about cats? But of course they have, just like cat lovers having been quietly doing their own thing at home and then coming out in the tens of thousands for the Cat Video Festival. The same thing is true of creative types and artists making films. So the idea is having just put it online 15 minutes ago kind of thing, fresh out of the box, is that people who have made or want to make, I'd love to get more film students involved. Somehow it doesn't fit into their curriculum, apparently. Whoever's made or wants to make a film about cats, a short film, a longer film, any kind of film, not a cat video. See, this is really an important distinction to me, and it's why I had not jumped in with both feet to a cat film festival. I personally... People might think, oh, she's just a stick in the mud. I don't like pet videos. They usually have a kind of a shaming quality or, oh, look at that silly animal or the stupid animal or the goofy animal or the clumsy animal or the strange animal or the deformed animal. Oh, but it's cute, but can't walk or its tongue hangs out. And these videos are simply moments in time captured so everyone can go ooh, ah, and laugh or mm, probably not cry because there's no story to it. There's no intention to the making of it. And so my idea is that cats rule. And everyone's always known that in society. Cats really do rule. If we have a film festival that tips our hat to that and says, let's explore these mysterious, magical, mystical creatures as filmmakers. And nowadays, anybody with an iPhone can be a filmmaker. If they choose to, or they can use any other piece of equipment they want. Obviously, they can use the video cam attached to a cat, although they're probably too heavy for a kitty cat to see the cat's point of view. I think that a lot can be said about it, and I think that it does change people's ideas. If nothing else, somebody could make a film about a feline rescue, a day in the life of a feline rescue. If it's made with intention, 
and somebody really thoughtful in how they're filming it and what their intention is. And then they edit it in such a way that it tells a story and moves you and makes you think twice. It can change the way people look at unowned community cats. That's one of our objectives. I mean, that's certainly one of my primary objectives with having the Community Cats podcast is so that folks will look at community cats in a very different way than maybe they have in the past. So you're telling that story. We've talked about it in even terms of organizations marketing their cats for adoption. The story, the story, the story is what will help educate folks in our communities about our cats. And if we have community cats, and most human settlements have them, to not view them as a nuisance or something to be eliminated or hidden away. But they're part of our society. They actually do serve a purpose. And if they're kept healthy and spayed and neutered and they live in a particular area, that keeps out vermin. It keeps out other cats who are not healthy and could create problems in the community one way or another. They serve a distinct purpose, and their freedom and independence is something to respect, not be annoyed by. That's the other issue about community cats, is changing our perception of them. Right, making sure that they're not thought of as a nuisance in the community. And by handling them, by making sure they're spayed and neutered, making sure that there's proper shelter for them, they will not be a nuisance in the community. And in many cases, they're wanted, and they serve a great purpose. Absolutely. And there already are a couple of documentaries around the issue of people that look after community cats. There's a marvelous one, which after it, I think it's having a bit of a run on Netflix, a a really true documentary filmmaker. It's her profession. It's what she does for a living. Though, like being a poet, it's not a way to, I don't know how poets or documentary filmmakers pay their rent, quite honestly. It is a passion. It's not a way to get rich and famous, that's for sure. But she made a movie that some of you may know about called Feral Love, F-E-R-A-L, Love. And it's about a violist with the New York Philharmonic. And it's a documentary about this real woman who takes care of a whole community of cats in Central Park. They have shelter. She brings them food and water, and they're looked after. And that's the other side of what she does with her life. I just think the idea that there are people who do this because it gives them pleasure or satisfaction or makes them feel better about giving back, in a sense, I think those people need to be viewed and seen and celebrated and appreciated. Right now, they're kind of well-hidden. I had a friend in Italy, in Rome, a fanatic for feral cats. She had a huge terrace on her very big Roman apartment, a very wide terrace, wider than most people's living rooms in New York City type apartments, and beautiful potted plants and stuff out there. And she must have at some point homed at least, I don't know, eight or 10 or something of them to her home, to her terrace. And they all had their own litter box areas and food areas, and they were segregated if they needed to be. But every single day, she took cooked food because canned food for pets is very pricey in Italy and not all that readily available, or at least it wasn't then. She brought down this huge container of cooked food for her kitties every day. I think it was about five. And she'd personally taken each one to the vet, had them spayed and neutered, had them looked after, rabies shots. You never knew where they were. And she'd come down and go, Mishu, 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 which is how you say kitty in Italian. And they would just come flying from everywhere. And many of them she could pat. And they were beautiful and sweet and little street cats. And they all got their Italian evening meal. 
And then they went back to their corners where they worried about the mice and the rats and whatever else you worry about in an urban area. I wish somebody would make a movie about my friend Eleonora. Maybe I will call her up and ask her to have someone make a movie about her. (laughs) The more stories that we can tell, it's great. With Kickstarter now, so many people can have Kickstarter campaigns to help them at least get some funding to help them be able to make the, the project happen. So I think there's some pretty, or Indiegogo, whatever, all the different crowdfunding websites that are out there. You can be really inventive about how you raise funds for it. And there are quite a few projects out there in the works with Kickstarter campaigns of folks doing stories about cats from different ranges. There's one group that's working on telling the story about a little kitten that had FIP to another story about folks rescuing cats in New York City to emergency rescue and rescuing cats out of trees and in houses and all that stuff. So there's a huge range of different projects in the work. So I think hopefully maybe we've hit a tipping point and cats will get their due time on the big screen. I hope you'll point me to those or can one just go on? I've never actually gone on Indiegogo or Kickstarter and put in cat film projects. I suppose you could. There's a search engine for everything in this world, right? There most certainly is. And I'll make sure I get you pointed in the right direction for all these folks. I've I've interviewed quite a few of them on my show. Oh, great. Well, they can give you a real tip of the hat because one of the real challenges of making a short film of any kind about any topic, even NASCAR, I'm imagining, is that there's no outlet for it. There's no place to show short films. Oh, you can put it up on a YouTube channel. But I mean, that's really not the point. The point is to reach people and influence their hearts and minds in ways that are really meaningful. So I feel excited that I have this outlet for people that have already made or want to make films about dogs or cats. And they know that there's a chance if it's well done. And sometimes I get in touch with them and I say, you know, it needs some editing. Would you like me to give you some editorial notes of where you could tighten it up? My advice to anyone making a documentary or any film is don't fall in love with your footage because less is more. You never want to say the same thing twice. That's the problem with documentaries. Repeated message, repeated the picture of the little kitten when it first came in bedraggled. We got it. Images are powerful. So if you think it should be 30 minutes, make it 10 and it'll be much better. That's for sure, whether it's in my film festival or wherever else they might hope to get it seen. Tracy, if folks would like to find out more about the shows that you do and about the film festivals, how could they do that? Well, they can go to radiopetlady.com, which is the network with all the radio shows or individual names like Cat Chat. But I think if you just go to radiopetlady.com and catfilmfestival.com, and if there happen to be any weird dog listeners, they can go to dogfilmfestival.com and We're about to have an on-demand collection very, very shortly so that people that couldn't go to any of the 15 cities that I took the Dog Film Festival to and that next year I hope to take the Cat Film Festival to can actually download and stream it. And the beneficiary for that, rather than being an individual rescue in each city where I go, is Michelson's Found Animals, which is a nationwide free microchip registry. And they also provide low-cost microchips and high-quality scanners to shelters, spay neuter. They have a caddy wagon in LA, which is where they're based, although they're national. And the caddy wagon is a hoot and a half. And I'll have a little video about it in the beginning of the Cat Film Festival because it's a huge truck that looks like a food truck, but it's really a mobile spay neuter like you yourself 
and Mary Mac, and it's got ears and a tail. So funny. And whiskers. All right. So we're going to have to have a race between my cat mobile and their caddy wagon. That's a great idea. East versus West. <laughs> Let's do it. Start your engines. <laughs> so Tracy, is there anything else you'd like to uh, share with our listeners today? Just proud of you for doing this. I think it's fantastic that you created a way to do so much good for so many people and you got to live in cat-happy Vermont while doing it. How great are you? Well, I want to thank you for paving the the path that you have just an incredible line of work that you've done over the years. So I definitely look towards you as a mentor in this industry. I, I've learned something new every day, which is great. It's wonderful. I love I love learning new things and I look forward to continue uh, following you and following the work that you do and certainly following up on the Cat Film Festival as that grows and develops. Trace, I want to thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on my show. And, and I do hope we'll have you on again in the future. You know, I'm going to be here. You, you whistle, I'll come. The Community Cats podcast will soon be a year old with over 200 episodes profiling amazing people who are all making a difference in the lives of community cats. If you would like to support the show, but not be a sponsor, feel free to contribute to our efforts by going to www.communitycatspodcast.com and follow the donate link. Help us to continue to provide excellent programming. 